All right, welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk to Matt Seifert, and the reason I say tonight is because it's, um, let's see here, it's almost 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. That's just um, how we're rolling tonight. It feels very old school. I talk about this all the time, how I did not like recording podcasts at 11 o'clock at night, but I mean, I guess it's early. Brad always wanted to do them at 2 in the morning, so here we are. But it's, you know, it's got that old school vibe because Matt's on and Matt's hanging out in his basement. And I don't know, Matt, what are we going to talk about tonight? It's been, um, we had a very difficult time coming up with a topic. And I think we kind of settled on something. Something about your approach for 2022. I didn't know we were doing a podcast until about an hour ago. So I was a little bit, I tried to turn my brain off in the winter for monkey so I don't lose my mind. But, uh. Yeah, let's just talk about what's, what my plans are for this year, how I'm going to approach it, how I think things have kind of changed the last two years in muskie fishing. I've actually struggled a little bit the last three years with the decline of fish and moving around different lakes and just uh, our stocking program isn't what it used to be. So a lot of different things and weather's been weird the last few years. So yeah, just talk about what I'm gonna, my plans are this year and any other questions you guys got, throw them at me and we'll just try to figure it out i guess all right well before we jump into 2022 how was 2021 you said it was maybe a little tougher than previous seasons is that right yeah the weather just the last three years for me i got into open water fishing 10 years ago or longer than that i guess uh about 09 when i started open water fishing a lot in the spring and it just seemed like it was a thing like just caught them it was just a gimme every year and then i had a couple tough years and those were the cold spring years and so the last five six years i've really been paying attention to weather patterns in the spring and it kind of sets up the season for me those colder springs just really ruin the rest of my season i don't know if you see that on the wisconsin waters as much but definitely changes everything for me the rest of the year i mean it really sets the whole year up and now in september obviously the fish seem to snap out of it but Every time we get, oh, it's cold, but oh, it's really warm in July. It's going to get better. And then it doesn't. It never gets better till that second week of September when the real cold fronts come. And though, even those years, your amazing six, seven fish days every September turn into two or three fish days, which are still really fun and awesome. But yeah, I guess I just really started paying attention to that. And 2021 for me was, and 2020 and 2019 were, 2019 was real tough. That was really a cold spring. And numbers just seemed down for me. I've also, I was also guiding on lakes that stocking just completely turned off. And some of the lakes are they're putting a few more fish in now, some turnaround. But that's ten years from now, you know. So it's it's easy to get down when you're trying to do it every day, you know, as, for a living. And then those springs where it's warm, it's just they just seem to bite all year. It's like I can I can always stay on a pattern, but yeah, I don't know. That's just. I'm hoping for a nice warm spring. I know it might not matter. Maybe we won't get one for another 10 years. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm done thinking about thinking too much about the warm springs. I'm more concerned about what I'm going to do in 2022. If, if it's the same, I'm assuming it's going to be the same deal this year where my open water bites kind of slow, hit or miss fish are in weird spots. They're not in their normal deeper, you know, deepest part of the lake. This is going to be easy. The bugs are here. I'm going to catch them. And then the rest of the year is tough, but, so I'm assuming next year is going to be the same for me. But yeah, 2021 was, it was a decent year, but it wasn't record breaking or anything. I was on leech a bit more this year, which is great fishing in a natural fishery. So put plenty of fish in the boat there. Um, but they were still, they were off there too. I mean, it was, the fish just weren't summer peak for me. didn't start till August 7th uh, this year, which normally it's second, third week of July every year of my life uh, and this year was august 7th and vermilion was also pretty late there was a quick window yeah it was weird i could go for hours on the weird bites i had this year but yeah just uh i think most guys i talked to this year too had a little bit just not your average last 12 year pattern well i think this jeff and i think you know talking to matt and talking to you you know, one of the things that uh, I think as musky anglers, 
I think we said this in one of the very first podcasts we ever did, and it's something that I've always thought in the back of my head. It's truly, truly a puzzle. And the whole idea is to put piece by piece together. And I think that that changes year to year. And every year is a little bit different. And, uh, you know, we can get hung up on weather and we can get hung up on water temps and we can get hung up on this and that and whatever else that you want to talk about. But at the end of the day, you have to go out there and you have to work your butt off daily, every day, and figure out exactly what these fish are doing. And there's no question about it, weather trumps all. Weather is so important to the whole musky fishing scene. But just because you're getting a certain weather pattern or you're getting you know, way more rain or it's way dry, this past summer it was way dry. I mean, think about it. Our water levels were down so extreme, it was insane. I've never seen that in 25 years of fishing muskies. But we still were able to figure out a couple different game plans based off of that. And Matt's no different. I mean, Matt is out there trying to achieve those same goals. I think that uh, we, as musky fishermen, kind of plant certain things in our brains, and then we we go negative on a couple different things because, well, this isn't what we want, or this isn't you know how it's supposed to be. We have to adjust on a daily plan for in the boat. You have to adjust hourly, daily, whatever it might be. And uh, I think that's what Matt's kind of talking about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm glad you asked me about 2021 because I guess I'll roll straight into the next subject. But it's a bummer, but it's also what makes musky fishing musky fishing. Um, like Brad said, you you want to go out. Everybody wants to go out and do what they do last year when they had that amazing day and do the same thing and catch them again. But it just never seems to be, and especially with in Minnesota with our stocking program being down, um, the decline of a lot of fish. Uh, we still have amazing fish here. I mean, we have giant 57 inches in pretty much every lake that the leech lake is stocked in. But you still have this, I, I don't like to call it a grind because grind isn't fun. Monkey fishing is fun. So you, you have this drive to catch these fish, but what's, I mean, it's just constantly changing. You always have to adjust. And every day you, you rack your mind about it, but you don't, I mean, the, the numbers of fish have dropped. So why why is the fish not in this spot anymore? Well, maybe there's nine guys fishing it. The technology is so much better nowadays. All these guys have the mega side imaging and they're using live scope and it's all, it's just changed the fishery so much. So it's, it's hard to swallow a couple of days. As, you know, you've been doing it as long as, uh, well, Brad's been doing it even longer than me, but you have to, you know, adjust or die. But you, if you can put it aside, I got, a little frustrated this year i'm watching live scopers catch fish in open water there's a only a few fish out there it's one of my favorite bites of the year and they're catching them and i'm not trolling i figured it out i started catching them trolling but they were still putting more numbers up than me um and it was it was frustrating to me and i thought you know adapt or die you're a fishing guide you have to but then it was funny because i'm like well, so there's not as many fish out here either they'll go do it my way go into the shallows find fish that normally aren't where they should be you know i mean weather patterns that's the cool thing about musky fish it's never the same you're always constantly adjusting your techniques or whatever and the lakes so funny baits change lakes change these fish seem to get adjusted to baits it's always great to have a new bait i was fun this year i got a fish um with chase gibson um from west virginia and donnie man's bunch and they're young and they they like to make new baits and i always get stuck right this is my this is my bait, and when fishing's tough like it's been the last couple of years, I like to stick to my bait. Like this is the bait that catches fish for me and has the last ten years, and I think that's a good thing to do when you're frustrated. Put your confidence bait on. Always fish hard, but these young guys they'll get another bite or two than me. Just always tweaking bait, always. And Brad's in the shop with them, and he's you know they're tweaking everything all the time. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I can reel faster than them. Yeah. <laughs> I still think I'm a tough guy. Right. So I'll go out and yeah, we just have a blast fishing, but it was tough. It wasn't, it's not like it used to be for me. It's the younger guys that are coming to the sport. Now this is like what they know. Right. And that's, it's different. It's definitely different. Every year changes. And, but to quit fishing the boat, you have to adjust. You have to keep, 
your mind open. Um, why is that spot not good anymore? Does it really matter? Keep bugging you. You keep going back to that spot. If the fish aren't there, fish it for 15 minutes in good conditions. You have confidence in yourself as a fisherman. You fish that spot. It's your favorite spot on that lake. It has been for 10 years. Guess what? They're not there anymore. Are the fish dead? Maybe. Who cares? Go to the next spot. Find a new spot. You always have to adjust. And the last three years for me has been major adjustment. And it's been good. I, I mean, I'm still catching fish, but it's it's different. It's a, it's become more of a challenge. With everything going on in the world nowadays, too, I've got some new clients. I've lost some of my old clients. It's the real grind. Like, it's the real deal now. Like, you want to be a musky guy, huh? <laughs> Here's these new people that think uh, you catch five every day. Uh, well, welcome to the real world. But it's fun. It's, it's a fun thing. Um, but it's different. It's very different. And I can go into details about that for this year. What some of the things that I've struggled with this year that I want to adjust this coming year. Well, before we talk about this year, let me talk about, you know, we talked, we, we mentioned previously before we hit record about, you know, open water was like the deal 10 years ago. It was like the last frontier. What's your thoughts on open water now? Is it still the last frontier or is it overpressured now? It is crazy. I think, I think that's a loaded question, Joe. It's a super loaded question that I don't know if I want to go into complete detail about, about what certain people are doing. It's a good question. Let's put it this way, Jeff. So, one of the guys I respected more than anybody as far as their knowledge of the open water was Tom Gill. The thought he put into it, the work he put into it, the giants he caught doing it was really amazing. It was a lot easier for me. I thought I had a great, I, I mean, I was connected with Duff some supernatural big baits and Bob Benson, a good buddy of mine. We kind of figured it out together and we caught a lot of fish. It was amazing. I had side imaging. Tom Gelb didn't. Uh, I played with side imaging a lot. I did a lot of things to catch more fish out there. And that was my passion for electronics. All came from that. Casting, there was enough fish in this state. I used to fish hard and I caught them. I used the right bait to fish hard. Uh, we just caught fish. But in the open water, you had to have electronics. When I started doing it, Hummingbird didn't even have side imaging. Only Lowrance did. That's why I ran Lowrance. And we caught fish doing it. It was really fun. We got a ton of fish, but the technology now is so amazing. It's almost not fair. It's insane. I don't even know. You can't stop. You mean, you, can you stop it? No, you can't stop it. But uh, where's it going to go in another 10 years? It's scary. We're not stocking enough fish for what's happening in the electronics world. That's what I'm scared of. So that's kind of the loaded question there, right? But the open water thing, I guess, getting back to like the true question is, Tom Gelb was so amazing at what he learned and you read his book and you listen to his seminars and you're blown away. And then you go out and start fishing and you're like, wow, he did all that. And I'm learning all this in a week. What took him years to learn from just having side imaging. And that was, I mean, I used some of his knowledge with the lower end side imaging that we could barely see a fish on. And no one else could see fish, but we were playing with our transducers all the time and adjusting them up, down, sideways to try to find these fish out there. And nowadays, you can go to this, buy a new boat, listen to a couple seminars, go out there with a live scope unit and just find fish or with any unit now, pretty much. The hummingbird side imaging shows you every fish with the fins on them at three and a half miles an hour everywhere you drive. They can't hide. Um the Lorenz has the new live or whatever it's called. Uh, what is it called? Live target. Live target, which I haven't used. The guys I know using it, there's quite a delay. I haven't heard amazing things about it yet, but uh, I, there's some guys that know how to use it that I know of that are catching fish doing it. And obviously lots of guys I know that are doing the live scoping, but it's just that uncharted territory that scared everybody. It's not scary anymore. Um, we have fewer number of fish, and everyone can go out and do it now. So the open water bite, combined with the last few years, the cold springs, because I have enough history doing it, these cold springs really make the open water bite hit or miss. I think Brad can attest to that. When we first started hanging out that first two years, I mean, it's like, oh, wow, this is really fun. Right. It's still fun, don't get me wrong, but well, I'll let you elaborate. 
Well, I think, you know, with the colder spring, I mean, if you start looking at weather, weather becomes, uh, as I said, it trumps all. And uh, I, I would say over the last three years, we have not had good bug hatches, right? So those bug hatches are very critical to bringing the bait fish into that area, which then brings the predator fish, whether it be a walleye, muskie, whatever you want to say. We're all about muskies. So it definitely has changed some of the game. The interesting part, and I think what Matt is probably talking about here is, you know, our trolling bite that we've always done has kind of gotten taken over by the casting bite in the open water. It's unfortunate in some ways, but I mean, hey, you know what? Guys are going out there and they're actually tackling this. And whether they're using their electronics truly or not, a lot of these casters are actually beating us trollers. Would you agree with that, Matt? Yeah. And it's the technology that's allowing them to do it, I think. Um, besides Timmy Peterson, I used to watch Timmy Peterson drift across half a Lake Vermilion by himself in a boat and catch giants. He knew he could trigger a bite the way he worked his bait, but he didn't even have side imaging. And I would troll by his boat and he'd have a 54 in his bag or something. It was just unbelievable. But nobody could do that. He would do it for days and days on end and never see a fish. And then his third rip into a cast, he'd catch 52, 53, 54. They were always giants. And he would do it. That's what I respect about Jimmy. He would go to these spots on the lake that no one else was fishing, which was super cool. I mean, I always remember that. I had clients. I had to get them fish. We were on fish. I could see them on my side imaging. We'd catch our fish. But then you see this guy out there casting. Now I see everybody out there doing it. It's just, to me now, I'd almost rather fish structure. It's a very hard thing. We can talk about 2022. That's one of the things in 2022. For me, I just have to turn it off. I don't, I'm not going to look at the guys out there. And the problem is we have so many new musky fishermen and so few muskies. That game you play casting, I run my bait shallow. Um, I know where the thermocline is. I know when I can hurt a muskie or not hurt a muskie. When it's dark, there's a lot of guys that catch fish with 150 feet of line out. I don't do that. I will not do that. I run 20 to 34 feet of line out at night. Um, I'll run 2 to 40 feet of line out in the daytime. But I don't run 150 feet of line out at night. Um, and I'm using 100-pound Cortland Master Braid. I'm not using 80-pound Power Pro, which gets your baits down another 4 or 5 feet. And then I wake up the next morning, go out and cast for sunrise, open water bite, and there's dead muskies floating around. And I know these people don't mean to kill muskies. I'm not saying that they're all, there's so many new guys in the industry. And there's so many guys that went through the glory days of, in my state, in Minnesota, were these glory days of just 50 inches everywhere on all, every lake in Minnesota. And those guys are done now. Their kids are in sports. They're, they don't even fish anymore. It's like 70% of the people, I would say. Would you agree with that, Brad? Yeah, it, there's definitely been a revolving door in the sport of muskies. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you see that too, Jeff. I just, I see so many new young people that don't, and they're coming into this at a different, it's just such a new, it's just the last two years for me has really changed muskie fishing for me. When I'm, I'm adjusting to it, I'm doing my thing. Uh, I'm still current on electronics and everything. You know, I'm not going to say I'm old and I'm not going to change. You know, I don't know. I'm not a purist or anything. I'm not, I just like to catch muskies and I want to catch muskies. So you have to adjust. I think everybody wants to catch muskies. So this whole thing with open water and this new electronics and a lot of these people don't know how deep to cast. That's what worries me. We have fewer fish left. People are catching fish in deep water fish can die it's it's kind of scary but at the same time it's also taking a bunch of people away from the structure so that's what makes 2022 so exciting is half the guys i see on the lakes now are fishing open water and so i gotta go catch all the fish on the structure which is kind of the funnest way to catch them i mean you get to see them eat your topwater bait a lot of the new guys don't even know what a topwater bait is and then I've spent, I've been doing this for how many years? Uh, almost 20 years. And I still am learning every day fishing the topwater bait. So fun. 
these new guys. I mean, you can screw up a topwater fish so easily. And there's like 32 triggers you can do to that fish before it gets to the boat. It's the most versatile bait if they're on topwater. There's so many triggering aspects of a topwater bait. I like the word trigger. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so fun to like think about my opportunity. So that's what I'm getting pumped out about 2022. I'm going to fish a couple natural fisheries. I'm going to spend more time on leech. Well, wait, let's wrap up 2021. Maybe talk about 2022 after that. I guess the open water thing is a really tough one for me. It's my favorite bite. That's a really tough one. Duff is one of my best friends. We became best friends because of all the fish we caught. It was just amazing. And I'm still catching fish on his bait, but my numbers have dropped in half. And I'm watching guys that just started musky fishing catch the same as me, which I'm not mad about. Half the kids I watch them catch, I'm cheering them on. You're like, it's so awesome to watch these young guys catch fish. But they don't know either what's happening. Um, They don't know. It just scares me a bit. Uh, The stocking is what scares me. I don't want to go off on a tangent about that. It's just sad what we could have. Um, on all these lakes in Minnesota and we don't have it anymore. And the new technology scares me. It's like the big game hunters. Like you can't use thermal imaging anymore. You can't, I mean, they're going to outlaw that. I mean, what, what, where do you what, draw the line? What, electronics? You what, can't draw the line on electronics. It's just the future. It's what's going to happen. So the DNR has to adjust or we have to adjust or educate people. Just, you got to, it's a, it's a weird subject for me. That's why it's a loaded question. I think the point of the whole question is for like viewers, if they want to learn something from this podcast is Tom Gelb was the smartest open water fisherman ever. And right now in this day and age, you have the opportunity to become as smart as him in three days. If you can work your electronics and you have good boat control, you can learn what Tom Gelb learned in 40 years. You can learn it in a week. I think what Matt's saying is, is with today's electronics, you can run, but you can't hide. I mean, that that's the bottom line. Yeah. You still have to cast at the fish. You still have to land the fish on the bait or land the bait on the fish's head. You still have to have boat control somewhat. You don't have to have boat, boat control really anymore either. That's the scary part. The 90% of the fishermen or 10% of the fishermen catch 90% of the fish thing is kind of over now. If it's calm out, if it's windy, that's still the same, I guess. But yeah, it's, it's a scary thing for me. I, it scares me a bit. When you're picking out a fish and you're attacking that fish, that's what you're talking about, Matt. Yeah, the sharpshooting. Yep, the sharpshooting's become a thing that's... It's the most popular thing in musky fishing right now. So for sure here in the States, I, I don't know if it follows suit. No. Yeah. I, I'm talking, I'm from Minnesota and this is what my, what I'm dealing with. But, uh, that's why I love Leech Lake. Uh, it was fun this year to go there and just be like, ha, ah, all the fish are in a foot of water. The water's down this year. The fish are acting finicky and your boat's in two feet of water and you're making bomb casts to a foot of water and they're eating triggers and, showgirls and topwaters in a foot of water I mean good luck using electronics 200 feet from your boat in a foot of water because you are you're not gonna I mean the, the hummingbird side imaging will show you a fish in a foot and a half but at a, at a foot you're not gonna see them that's classic musky fish yeah it's awesome especially with the water down so all right that's enough I'm sorry that was a really weird and long answer about the old water thing but I'm it's Tearing me up inside, I haven't, I can't give you a perfect, honest, honest answer about it. But I will say, I really respected what Tom Gelb did, and I remember talking to Brad and talking to Bob about it, Bob Benson, and it's just wild what all the work, and some other people too. There's other open water fishermen that I really respect besides Tom Gelb. Nobody would know their names, but it's just a crazy thing what they did so awesome i feel like what me and bob did was so cool and then you look at it you're like well there was fish everywhere and nobody was fishing them all we did was just put the best crankbait in the world in the water and buy a mass and we caught a ton of fish and we still catch a fish but we don't catch them like we used to but their stocking numbers are down 
they're heavily pressured in the open water now. And it's funny on these lakes that are big destination lakes with a lot of guides, um, how these fish have moved spots now and will only slide in the open water at very specific times. I guess. Yeah. But that's all I can answer you for now. <laughs> I find some of what you say to be, I say it's somewhat interesting. I'm curious to know maybe if anglers in Minnesota use matlocks and headlocks more than what they do over here in Wisconsin. Cause you talked about how you probably catch like half as many as you used to on them and you used to catch a pile on them. So you still catch a bunch, but not as many as you did. Whereas I think over here in Wisconsin, I don't think they're used that heavily yet. I still think it's something that the fish haven't necessarily seen. I catch probably just as many now as I did. I have had people and I asked you about it, you know, on I think the last time we had it on, somebody saying, do, do they think that the fish are getting acclimated to that bait here in Wisconsin? And I, I don't think that's the case because I just don't think they see enough of them. Um, so I find that to be interesting. I also think that your thoughts on muskie, angler, uh, muskie angling in Minnesota, how, you know, there's a lot more pressure. You see a lot more younger guys out there. And it's really weird. Maybe it's the times that I fish, but I still fish the same lakes that I'd been fishing you know, we'll say pre-COVID to now, and everything seems the same for me. I know that, you know, sales-wise, we're selling more fishing lures, so either the anglers that were in before were buying more, or we have a bunch of new anglers, which I think is probably the case. But I still don't see them on the water. They must all be over by you. Well, I don't know about that, Jeff. But Yeah, uh, we've, we've noticed a big decline here, too. We don't have the pressure we used to have, but the pr- pressure we have now is guys that, I mean, they know what they're doing, which doesn't, I mean, it doesn't change anything, I guess, but we have, we have resort traffic. You go to Vermilion, you go to Leech, and you're like, oh, wow, there's hardly any musky fishermen out there anymore. And then the musky fishing has declined in Minnesota because of the numbers of fish. But it is true that they're the most exciting fish in the world to catch. So there, there's always going to be a new crowd. There always has been. Uh, especially now with electronics and with YouTube. I think that's changed things dramatically. This podcast has changed things dramatically. I mean, look at these young guys now. It's like, I was a bow hunter. That was my thing. It was the, the biggest rush you could get. And then I went musky fishing. And it. I didn't bow hunt for 15 years. I just started two years ago again um, at a leisurely pace because I'm too busy musky fishing. So these guys get it that adrenaline rush i mean you this stuff on youtube it can be a nobody he puts a video and he's got two gopro angles of this fish just head thrashing people are like well that looks amazing everybody loves to go fishing they just and if they don't they've never been (laughs) i mean fishing is amazing and so now you have this youtube it's just at everyone's hand i mean when i started musky fishing I read Musky Hunter and Esox Angler, and that was it. And we've all had that. I got lots of emails about that podcast. We did a couple of podcasts ago about the magazine I read and got smarter, and the other one I read and got dumber. Yeah, I mean, that was it. And then when you saw those guys on the water, I mean, your jaw hit the bottom of the boat. Like You're out there working your butt off, whatever you had to do to make money to buy the nice boat, and then be gone for three, four-day weekends every weekend. You could monkey fish and that's, there's still kids out there doing that. Now I'm sure they're going to be guys soon too. They're sleeping in the back of their trucks and they're putting in crazy hours. They don't sleep. They just monkey fish. It's life. It's the, it's the biggest adrenaline rush. Amazing. The fact that all that happened. And now we're at this point where these new guys are coming in and they have this YouTube or they have social media. We didn't have any of that. I mean, you didn't, it was magazines. Muskie's Inc. magazine, too. That was it. You didn't have... We had wind-up cardboard Kodak cameras. And half the 50 inches we caught got rained on. And we never got the film developed. How many 50 inches did you lose on Kodak wind-up cameras? There's truth to that, Matt. And if Carrie was here right now, she would tell you that I might have seven pictures on a 24 exposure freaking film roll. Yeah, but they were 50 inches. You had to bring them in. I had to bring them into the half hour or one hour development, you know, and 
and she gets so mad at me and I'm like, what's the matter? You know, we're yeah. turning up 20, uh, exposures or 15 exposures or whatever, just to get those, those picks. Yeah. But that's the way it was. On an offshoot of that, Jeff, we should maybe do a history of musky fishing. And it's like a hundred years. And now the last eight years of social, 10, 10 years. And yeah, there's all these people that start fishing now. They have, it's sad. They're, they have what's at their fingertips. And it's the guys that have the most hits on YouTube, whether they paid for them or really got them. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of these guys are paying for YouTube ads. So they got what three, they got two, three options. They're like, oh, these guys got lots of views and it's just junk. There's nothing. They get nothing out of it. They learn about what, uh, we're going to run a sucker 24 seven and do nothing. Like, let's learn about musky fishing for real. Who are these guys that did this? Who, who like, no, there isn't that information out there. We should do a backlash podcast history once a month podcast i'm like well i have these guys are dead now it's the bummer but i mean that's what these new guys have to look at they don't get it they don't understand and it's it's kind of sad i hope they listen to the backlash podcast and realize whoa really okay so let's find out what really happened i mean there's so many smart guys and there's tons of books out there but nobody reads books anymore either and it's a bummer but not to go on a tangent about that, but such a changing industry right now. And it's for the good too. Tons of new stuff coming out. It pushes the progression of bait and new water. It makes me fish harder. I have to fish harder. I mean, I used to think I was cool because I had all my transducers on ram mounts so I could turn them every direction. Now these guys, the transducers that come out now, <laughs> holy cow, you gotta, you gotta just keep buying transducers. You got to keep buying new graphs. You got to keep, it's just crazy. Uh, and you got to be on the water all the time to keep fishing your boat, which is part of being a monkey fisherman though. The drive to be out there every day, which makes it so cool. There's a learning curve to the transducers too. Yeah. Running your boat, all that stuff. But the boats are way nicer too nowadays. I mean, it's, just a, it's a cool thing. Sorry, man. I keep going off on these tangents, but it's just, it's a changing thing. And it's, I guess you're getting my honest opinion as a, like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, I haven't thought about muskies. I'm with my family. I did it all summer. I don't try. I try not to go to Chicago show. I try not to do anything that makes me think about muskies until it's time for me to start booking trips. And which means time away from my family. And I guess bring it up. You're getting the full honest deal here. You're the full Matt paper. Yeah. Well, well then Matt with all the changes like the YouTube and the electronics is musky fishing better off today than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. It depends who asked that question. The new guy that comes in. Yeah. It's better off. He has more information at hand. Is it the right information? I guess uh, that is a loaded question for certain people. It is, I guess. Is musky fishing better off? Absolutely not, because we don't have the stocking we used to have. End of story. Minnesota used to raise 110,000 fingerlings a year. Now we raise like 24,000 to 30,000, I think. It's sad, really. It's cool. The fish are still getting caught uh, with the technology now, with this podcast, with YouTube. It's funny. Like I used to read all these magazine articles, and it was like some new guy I'd never heard of all the time. And now you kind of get to see the staple guys. Um, it's fun to see some of the newer guys coming up too. There's a few young guys that are working so hard right now. And a lot of guys that are falling out because of the reasons I'm talking about right now. Like you got to change or you got to die. You can't just go out there with outside imaging anymore and be like, I just cast at the spot. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. You, if you know the lake, like the back of your hand, that's great. Um, you will catch fish, but you have to keep adapting. We, we're losing fish faster than they're stocking them is the scary part so is fishing better off no it's not fishing was way better when i started i didn't need youtube and we caught tons of fish i didn't need 
social media, we caught tons of fish because there was tons of fish to be caught. So it is not better than it was. No, not even close. I still think Wisconsin's pretty good. We still get a lot of stocking. I don't remember what the numbers were. Brad, do you remember when we had Jordan on? What was it like? I'm horrible with those numbers, Jeff, but. I know your DNR at least have been trying harder than ours. Yeah, we definitely, I mean, the Wisconsin program is still very strong, I think. So we don't have that issue necessarily in Wisconsin. Obviously, everybody still thinks that we don't catch big fish here, but. Uh, you know, and that's, to, I don't know, I guess to well, be, I mean, to yeah, be determined. Well, yeah, you guys have a long history of weird genetics and contaminated genetics from different stockings and all that stuff. But at least they're, look at the Chippewa flows this year. A lot of bigger fish have been getting caught on Chippewa flows the last couple of years. It's cool to see it changing, the size limit changing. It's all that good, you know, it's mm-hmm. all good. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is that, you know, Wisconsin, it's your state fish. So you have that historic side to to the musk. Wisconsin's so cool because of that. And I think uh, your DNR is more in tune with uh, trying to develop the musky platform, where Minnesota, it's all about the walleye. You got the walleye, walleye, walleye. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But at the same time, they consider walleye a put-and-take fish. You know what I mean? Dump as many walleyes as you can into the bodies of water here throughout the state of Minnesota. Harvest as much as you want. It's a put-and-take fish. So, yeah. And we had these challenging. Amazing. It's really, truly challenging. Yeah. It really is. I, I don't know how you beat that. Yeah, I think we all need to do be better. As, I think we all need to quit the bickering of everything too like with the musky fishermen i think most of us are on the same page but there's a lot of musky fishermen that are more worried about certain things and the, i think the guys that started muskies inc would be rolling over in their graves right now if they knew what was going on i mean these guys were there to put muskies in lakes that's the goal right i know taking a kid fishing is important i know Working on a county dock is important. Boat launches are important, but is it our job? No, it's our job to put muskies in lakes and create amazing fisheries. And I think that's where the focus needs to be. And until that focus changes, it's not going to get better. And with the technology in the boats nowadays, it's putting an extra pressure on the fish. And anyone that argues that point is wrong. If you're on the water every day and see what the technology is doing to the fish and the pressure it's putting on them, they can't hide anymore. They used to hide in open water. They had a they had a home, a safe spot, and it's not there anymore. Any recouping they had to do, any safe time they needed, we can find them now in minutes, and that's gone. And our fish numbers are dwindling, so it changes a lot of stuff. It really does. It, it makes it fun. So it's still an amazing thing to catch a muskie. They're very hard to catch. You still have to run your boat. You still have to know how to work the electronics. But there's a new pressure on these fish. Their safe zones are gone. There's This open water thing has gone from just June, whack them and stack them for a couple of weeks, and then go fish structure to we're going to fish open water all year now. All we do is just drive around and look at our live scope. It's, it's changed the fishery. And if the DNR, like our in Minnesota, like I know Wisconsin's doing better now, um, but man, we had some amazing guys in the DNR that wanted to create, put apex predators back in the lake to balance out all the lakes in Minnesota. So they said, hey, let's put these muskies in there. Some of, a couple of them thought they would reproduce, a couple of them didn't. And of course, none of them did. So now we have this, this push to put these predators in our lake to fix the walleye fishing and pan fishing in the lakes. We have this apex predator, everything's great, and those guys retire and all the muskies die. Now we have this very fraction of what we used to have. Upright. We've lost 75% of our fish. We still have giant fish. It's a great strain of fish, but anyway, all right, let's move on to 2022. <laughs> We've still been, we've just been rambling here. <laughs> yeah, we're 
you know, 40 minutes in or whatever. And yeah, we haven't really gone anywhere yet, but we do have some information okay. out there. That, that was easier. To, I think that's going to be easier to talk about than 2022. So let's go. All right. Well, let's talk about 2022. What are you going to do different year this year to hopefully try to put things back in your favor? All right. Well, put 15 minutes on your clock and stop me at 15 minutes. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll, we'll do that. Yes. So 2022, I'm excited. Not to harp on, like I said, I'm going to plan on a cold spring. I'm going to plan on what the last three years were for me, not the 10 years prior to that or 15 years prior to that. So I'm going to plan on the same situation. Um, I have my friends in the musky world, uh, you, Brad, Duff, the guys that look after me. I try to look after you guys, try to help you guys out. I'm going to try to fish a little bit more by Brad next year. Western Minnesota gets a few more fish stocked in it than where I've been fishing. Um, I'm actually going to cut back on vermilion a little bit this year. The numbers there are down quite a bit until it's fixed. They're stocking more now. It's going to get better, but it's not better yet. Uh, it's not going to be for a few years. So I'm going to move around a little bit. Really excited about leech. Okay. So I've been on leech the last two years. I didn't want to guide there until I kind of knew it's a giant lake. It's super fun to fish like vermilion. Vermilion's always been one of my greatest passions just because it's just, there's musky spots everywhere. Um, it's still an amazing fisher. I'm going to be there for a month, a year, or a week, a month, one week a month. I was there almost two weeks a month this year. I'm going to change that to one week a month. And most excited about leech just because it's a natural fishery and there's still that fish population there. With weather patterns, it's been a little weird the last couple of years, but that's what makes it so fun to me because the fish are still there. There's that many fish still there. Leeches got me all fired up. So I'm going to try to get the leech as much as I can this coming year. I'm going to do a little bit of Winnie. Uh, Winnie's been one of my, it's my favorite lake. I grew up there while I fished with my dad. Um, it's a, another natural fishery. There's not a ton of muskies in there, but they're big and they like to eat baits if you can find them. And I like to try to find muskies. That's one of my passions. So super excited about that. One thing I'm going to do is play with baits more. I think I mentioned that earlier too, um, fishing with some of the younger guys this year. When I'm on pressured waters, I just assume that I've been doing this longer than everybody else. My boat control is better. And, you know, you're confident, right? I'm going to just fish my way. And then those guys get my boat and they, they put a couple more fish in my boat. And I see Brad smiling ear to ear in the shop as we're just coming up with, not me, those guys are coming up with new ideas all the time. And he's, you know, inspiring them to keep doing all these new things. And it kind of opened my eyes because it like brought some of that passion that I used to have when I was younger. If I thought a fish looked at my bait sideways when I was 22, I would cut every three of my favorite baits apart in the boat to try to make a bait that I thought that fish would eat just for one fish. <laughs> and instead of that, this client's got to catch one. You got to put my best bait on and just throw, but that bait, that fish has probably seen that bait eight times that week, you know, cause I know where I was living, but it's kind of fun. I, I'm excited about that for 2022. This is the constant bait tweaking new baits. The hurricane's been awesome. The detonator this year, I have, I kept catching them on the trigger and showgirls this year. So, and the year before the detonator just blew my mind and I couldn't believe the fish weren't just eating it this year. And then later in the year when they started acting normal again, I started crushing them on detonators. So, uh, super excited. I just want to hear, I can put a detonator on and throw it every day, but being on leech, they do like smaller baits there. So I will, I still kind of keep that same pattern going, I guess. It's just a progression for me, the smaller baits into, the bigger baits as the year goes on and fish and shower sand stuff that the side imaging and the electronics can't get to, um, is one thing I'm really excited about. Some of these bigger lakes, fish and sand beaches where you get the huge waves and then you get the troughs behind the beach. So you might drive along at side imaging and think you're seeing everything. And then you pull up the shore and baits are landing a foot in the water. You look behind your bait 50 feet from shore and it's six feet deep right by shore and your graph can't read that nobody's graph can so 
it comes back to the old school, you know, do or die, put the trolling motor on eight, and make sure you're spacing your cast is right. Spacing your cast right and watching everything around you. And you can just turn your graphs off. It's kind of fun. So I'm really excited about that. Also, uh, investing in electronics, you know, you can't be left behind either. It's a, it's a, one of those battles you have to deal with. Um, you have to stay current all the time. So we'll also be doing that. Yeah, I guess fishing new spots, just having confidence. I mean, I think at this point you keep the weather patterns really screwed me up the last three years where I kept thinking just a matter of time, just a matter of time. But you know what? Some of those spots I used to fish just the last couple of years aren't good spots anymore for whatever reason. They're just not there and you have to explore, do it smart, fish a new spot in three different weather conditions before you write it off. But yeah, that's just kind of the things I think about all the time. I don't know if that's weird, but that's what I think about fishing new spots is fun, but you can't just fish it once. Right. So, and fishing slow too. That's another thing I've learned the last couple of years, fishing methodically, fishing slow, and it's gotten better every year for me as I get older that I fish spots. So I know like those spots where you just, you know, like the back of your hand and they, there's fish on them and they didn't bite and you're seeing them on side image. So then you work in a different direction or you, and then you get one or two of them and you leave them alone and you come back and you know how long the fish is to come back to catch more of them. There's so many twists and turns to it. So then you fish this new spot once and write it off. Uh, you can't do that. That's what I'm excited about this year. Just picking those new spots apart. And I mean, when you have clients in the boat, it's, is it the right time to walk, like just drive your boat around and put waypoints on weeds? No, you got to do that before your clients get there. But when I get there, if I go find those spots in between guide trips and take my clients there, whether I've caught a fish there or not, I'm going to fish them all the way. I'm not just going to burn my buck go through there. Like it's, 2006 and there's 50 inches I can walk across their back in every weed bed. You know, you, you have to pick these fish out now. It's like the real deal. <laughs> Maybe I was spoiled for so many years. I'm just becoming a real musky fisherman now. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure there's guys up in certain areas of Wisconsin and Canada that are like, yeah, that's musky fishing every day, you know, but it's changed for me. Fishing high density lakes to fishing low density lakes is has had a big impact on me. It makes you think about everything. Your brain's just racing all the time. But yeah, fishing natural some natural fisheries in 2022. Fishing some of the higher stock lakes is good. But then also fishing, I'm still going to be on Vermilion. I'm still going to fish some very very low density lakes because I love them and I'm going to find them. I'll find them. It's just yeah, I guess the opportunity opportunity and stay on top of electronics you got it. there's no getting around it anymore yep yeah you can still catch fish without it but if you if you want to catch them all you have to or catch the most if you want to if you want to constantly put muskies in the boat there's no denying that that's that's the gig now you have to stay current which i mean i've always understood but it's just getting to the point now it's just insane but it's it is what it is. There's nothing you can change about it. In my opinion, I'd love to hear other people's opinions. You guys write emails or whatever, but I just, you can't stop progress. It's been happening for a couple hundred years. It's not going to stop now. So it is what it is, I guess. And it's awesome too. It's fun. It, it just changes things. And we all adjust and we all keep fishing. And but yeah, I'm excited for 2022. We'll see what the weather does. It, it is what it is, whatever the weather does. I'm done talking about weather. We've done that the last three years. It's kind of bummed me out. I'm not going to let it bum me out this year. So my open water bite's horrible and it's freezing cold. Well, they're going to be living somewhere and we're going to find them. Try to catch them, I guess. Brad, you got anything to add to your um, 2022 outlook? I mean, we'll have you back on a bazillion times before we start fishing. So maybe you got nothing to add. You know, the beauty of uh, coming into a new season, ultimately, Jeff, every year is different, right? So, I mean, if you think about it, we just have to, like, buckle down, figure out what these fish want to do, and 
it's the pieces of the puzzle. I, I've said it, I don't even know how many times. I mean, over the years that we've done this podcast, the pieces of the puzzle become real apparent. And, um, and that's what Matt's really, really talking about, right? So we have to adjust as muskie anglers. We have to always, always put it in perspective to how we're going to adjust on a daily basis. I mean, I said it in the beginning of this podcast. I'm going to say it in the, the end of this podcast. We said it in the very beginning of uh, Backlash Podcast. I mean, it's the pieces to the puzzle, and we just put them all together and try to figure out exactly what that really, really pertains to. Uh, it, it's a struggle. Musky fishing is a struggle, and that's the beauty of this whole sport. If, it, if we didn't struggle and we didn't have to work for it, Ultimately, we probably wouldn't be musky fishermen. That's what it is. That that's that's the bottom line. Yeah, I agree. It's not. It's never easy. Yeah, it's a. I, mean, I, I look at it this way, Jeff. Electronics, knowledge, whatever it might be, we fight and fight and fight to try to figure out how we're going to catch more fish. You know, Matt has shared a bunch of that a bunch of different things and electronics is definitely they've cut the curve if you think about it they truly truly have cut the curve on how you become a better musky angler but at the end of the day still about time on the water and uh time on the water will win over all the electronics over every aspect of musky fishing the harder you work, the better you're going to be. And I think that's why we're all still musky fishermen. Yeah, I agree. That's uh, It's hard work regardless. You still have to run your boat. You still have to maintain your gear. You still have to be able to cast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, not, it's not a walk in the park. It's just the electronics have changed things. And it's, sorry you caught me in the middle of winter here. I wasn't ready to talk about all this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's road hunting versus tree stand hunting. Electronics have turned it into road hunting, I guess. Is the best way I could put it. And so there's a lot of people that have a huge opportunity now, which is really cool when it comes to kids and elderly people. That's where the magic is for me for electronics. But it's, it's different if guys abuse it in certain water depths and times of year. And you got to be smart. Yep. You got to be smart. And everyone needs to start realizing that and pay attention to it because we don't have, this is an unlimited resource. They don't, muskies don't grow on trees. Not around here. They don't. So we got to keep them protected. And if you can't, if the only way you can catch them is road hunting, if they're going to get hurt, then you need to quit road hunting. It's just, it is what it is. I'm not going to take, it's, there's, it's just like hunting. Everybody can fight in hunting world. I disagree with that. I disagree with this. But everyone's their own person. If they grew up with their grandpa road hunting and that's how it works, then they can keep road hunting. Like, that's their thing. Just protect the resource is what we need to do. That's the main goal. And not to be some kind of activist, but I think it's just, that's how I make my living. And I don't want them all gone. I want the fish to be there and i think we all need to fight for more of them and we need to protect what's there and we can all fish them whichever way we want to as long as we're respectful to the fish and make sure they all swim away we'll all be better off for it so and use every different variant of musky fishing to its full ability so kids can keep catching them elderly can keep catching them everybody can keep catching them we just need the fish there and we all need to take care of what we have, I guess is what I guess I'm trying to say, but because there's, it's changed. Monkey fishing's changed. There's a lot of opportunities out there that there wasn't five years ago. An enormous amount of more opportunities. If we all take care of the resource and we all be careful what we're doing, I think we'll all be fine. And we all need to adjust to it and it is what it is. We can't change it. We just roll the punches, I guess. 
the crazy thing is when we bring Matt on, he kind of owns it. That's the beauty of Matt, and that's the reason that we bring him on the podcast. Well, I didn't mean to be a downer tonight. Oh, <laughs> I got how I got caught tonight. We didn't know what to talk about. Somebody well, brought that up. You know, he always just says it like it is, Brad. He just lays it out there and says what's on his mind, and that's how it goes, you know? He kind of gave Absolutely. you what, what was on his mind, he talked a little bit about, you know, why things may not have been as good, what he's going to change in the future. And, you know, like every musky angler, a new season brings new optimism, you know, until you, uh, you you put all your struggles behind and, and you start fresh with a new slate, a new season. You just, everybody's got the same score and you just go out there and fish. That's truly the beauty of it, right? I mean, if you think about it, Matt's mind is uh, it's unique. And I say unique, but at the end of the day, most of us muskie anglers truly have what Matt's passion really, really entails. And, uh, you know, Matt has, he has a knowledge base, but at the end of the day, if you're truly, truly a muskie fisherman, you're Matt. And that's truly what it's about. I, I, I don't know how much more I can say about that. Before we head out of here, there's one bit of announcements I'd like to make about Team Rhino Outdoors. If you um, follow our YouTube channel, we finally put out a new video. So you can go check that out now. If you're ordering, and so this episode comes out on a Wednesday, and you order after, say, 3 p.m. on Friday, I want to say it's going to be like 21st of January, we will not ship anything for approximately a week. This will be the first time that we've ever done that in the history of Team Rhino Outdoors. And we're going to go take a family vacation. We haven't done a family vacation ever. My oldest daughter will be 16 in February, and we've never once done a family vacation, like a true vacation. We've gone up to the camper up north, you know, for three, four days at a time, whatever. But And quite honestly, I don't know that I've actually had an entire week off in 20 years. I think the last time I had an entire week off was uh, my honeymoon 20 years ago. You're making me feel like a slacker now. Good for you, man. That's awesome. <laughs> well, no, we're going to do a little bit of slacking here. As my wife's doing, she said, nope, that's it. Uh, we're taking off. It's January. People can wait. They can order. It's fine. And they don't mostly, most of them don't need their gear right away. So I just wanted to make an announcement. If you're wondering why things are delayed, that's why they're delayed. We will have one podcast on when I'm gone, and I will make that other announcement uh, during that podcast, we're going to record that one tomorrow night so that we're ahead. So don't worry about that. Podcast will resume uninterrupted, but that's what's up. It's been 20 years since I've actually had a week off. We've worked vacations around, you know, uh, Thursday, Friday, Monday. We've done those kind of things before. We've never actually done a Monday through Friday type of a deal. So that's what's up. And if you need anything else, Brad, you probably got something to talk about with Muskie Mayhem Tackle. Man, I I can't even like measure up to you. Sure you can. <laughs> you, you're taking a week off. What what happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have a whole lot of choice. My wife said basically like, hey, uh, Alexis is 16 years old. Uh, she wanted to go to Florida, and you're coming with us <laughs> whether you like it or not. So that's that's what's up. It'll be that's fun. Awesome, it, it'll be fun. You know, it'll be, it'll be a good time. So. Oh, for sure. All I can say, Jeff, is good for you. You deserve the time off. I'm not that smart yet, so I, I'm i just going to be here working. Um, <laughs> well, Carrie keeps texting me. She keeps telling me, she's like, are you going to take your work phone with you? I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'm probably going to take my work phone with me. She's like, you just have to leave that thing at home. I'm like, well, Carrie, I'm going on vacation for a week, all right? Like, that's a, that's a big enough step as it, as it is. I don't know for sure if I can just leave everything at home. But we'll see. I'm definitely, you know, if we're out and about, I'm going to definitely leave the work phone behind. But I'll probably check emails at night still, even though Carrie yeah, tells me re- not to. Yeah, you'll relax on about day four, and then you'll have to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, so- it sounds about right, Matt. You're not you're not that far off. Yeah, about day four or five, you'll be like, hey, I'm actually relaxed. And then you'll be like, oh, we got to get on the plane tomorrow. You mm-hmm. just need to relax day one. You can do it. I'll, I'll do my best. Turn both the phones off. Uh, yeah. Well, one of them, very few people know the number two. And so Brad knows it. So if Brad needs to get in touch with me, he can. 
There aren't, <laughs> there aren't many more than that, though. There's maybe six, seven, eight people that know it. Well, I'm going to put that on the internet. So that'll, <laughs> yeah. that'll work good. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> yeah. Send me that number, I'll sell it. <laughs> yeah, so if, uh, you, if you need nighttime number and nighttime service here, this is the number. Call it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, good for you, Jeff. You know, I, I'm uh, dumbfounded. I don't even know what to say at this <laughs> point. But honestly, you know, you need the break. And uh, I think all of us could maybe deserve that break. But like I said before, I'm not smart enough. We're just going to keep pounding away. Yeah. yeah. You you two have to wake up in the morning and your work at your house. That's rough. Yep. I was telling Brad and Carrie that yesterday. Like, man, how do you ever get away? And they're like, we don't. No, you don't. <laughs> you wake up and you look out your window and there's work looking at you. Every day. Yeah. Yep. There's always something to do. You can, yeah. You I can. wake up and look out the yard and look at my yard and think, I could go to the bar today and <laughs> not go to work. Well, we we could do that too, but you'd have to walk past the work in order to go to the bar. Right, yeah. I don't have to do that. No. I have to go to the bar before I get to work. So. Absolutely. It's a lot easier for me. It's all good. You uh, go relax and have fun, and uh, we're going to keep doing the podcast. And guess what? We'll be there next week. We will. A new episode next week, Wednesday. We want to thank everybody for coming out and listening to us this week. It's a little bit longer episode than what we've put out previously. Hopefully got a little bit of information out of it. And, Matt, thanks again. Always good to talk to you. I'm sure we'll get you on again as we get closer to musky season, and you'll be right back in the right frame of mind to want to chase these fish down again because I know you're you're still in the off-season mode. Yeah, sorry. I, this is the first time I've ever done this podcast when I thought I'd be like, this is going to be a drag, and then I forgot how much fun it is. And it's always such an easy conversation with you guys, even though I might ramble sometimes. I hope people still like listening, but uh, thanks again. You guys caught me at my uh, first musky thoughts of the year, so I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you guys all have a great season, and I'm sure we'll be talking again, and I have to apologize, Jeff, when Brad said we're doing a podcast 45 minutes before we started. I went, really? <laughs> I just put my pajamas on and got in the recliner. Um, and then we ended up having a blast. So I'll never say that again. Um, <laughs> and thanks again. I appreciate it. You guys have helped me too. This is a, uh, this podcast is a pretty powerful thing. Um, you do a podcast and the phone starts ringing. It makes booking trips kind of like, and you don't even have to, it's an it's insane. We'll put it that way. You guys, I have a lot to thank you guys for. for well, that. I guess with that being said, Matt, if somebody wants to book a trip with you, how do they go about doing that? Well, I usually try to wait until March because I don't like to talk about muskies in the winter. I start going AWOL. Too late. Um, it's too late. Yeah. I got about 20 texts this week and my wife's like, well, I guess we got to get the calendar ready, huh? <laughs> so I guess, yeah, I mean, they can, I think they kind of all know the gig, but text is the best. I'll just don't, it's, I'm with, this is my family time this winter. So just text me. Um, and I will text you back. It might take a couple weeks, but I'm going to get or a calendar a yeah, or a month or a month and a half, but, <laughs> uh, and book somebody else if you want, if you don't want to wait, but my family comes first and I will be fishing all summer and would love to have you in my boat, but you might have to wait, but I'm wide open right now. I got, people i got a few trips booked that are my always guys that are always there um but yeah give me a couple weeks and uh we're gonna get a calendar this week and we'll start putting trips in there yeah 651-357-8709 is my cell 651-357-8709 text me i will text you back hopefully within the week. <laughs> so I'll have my new calendar book. And if not, I'm Matt Seifert on Facebook with, uh, they'll message me on their Instagram. I never look at that. So I'm trying to get better at that. So I wouldn't bother with that right now. I gave you my cell phone number. Text me. I'll get back to you. Thanks again, Jeff, man. That was fun. Thank you, I Matt. Was all, I was all worried about it. And we ended up having a blast. So it's, the hour always flies by every time you, you grab the uh, the cell phone from Brad and start having a conversation with us. It 
it goes flying. <laughs> well, that's good. It's easy to talk about muskies, I guess. Even even when it's January, it's your off season. I mean, look at that. <laughs> I can only imagine what you're going to put together for you know March, April, May, whenever we get you back on. Oh, wait till I catch two, and then it's just it's, yeah. And then you got to at three hour, you got to edit it down or something. <laughs> I mean, I think we've been there before. Yeah, we come to two parts. We got to make it two parts because I've been catching fish. Then it's really exciting. Yeah. So I hope the depressing Matt in January doesn't bum too many people out, but yeah, I'm excited though for 2022. I'm, I've come to grips with everything that changed the last couple of years and I'm ready to go after it. So super excited, super excited for new baits and tweaking baits and just new waters, same waters, everything. It's, I'm excited. It's musky fishing, man. Now I'm all jacked up. We should do another one right now. Let's do another podcast. <laughs> Uh, nope. We, uh, we pushed over past midnight. This is where I draw the line. I'm going to bed. I got things to do tomorrow because I got a one week to get everything as sorted together as I can. And so I can get the heck out of town. But once again, we're going to thank everybody again for listening and we'll catch everybody again with a new podcast next week. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff.